welcome back to another episode of Behind the Desk with me, Mark Thomas, the podcast where I meet some of the leading figures in the insurance and insurtech space, bringing you insight into their views and opinions on the sector, career journeys, as well as a deeper look into the actual person behind the desk. As you'll probably know by now, season two of the podcast has been all about the inspiring female technology leaders in our sector, exploring their journeys today and understanding a little bit more about what they love about technology and insurance, discussing their thoughts on how we can get more talented females into the sector and a whole load more. In this episode, I bring you Samita Yogi. Samita's recently left Animal Friends in the pet insurance space where she was their chief data officer. Prior to this, she held senior data leadership roles with TUI, the travel company, SunGuard and Royal Mail to name a few and has a wealth of experience across data. In this episode, we talk more about her journey into leadership and how she evolved from a data engineer and uh, architect into an out-and-out technology leader, how she transitioned from working in India and coming to the UK with her husband a number of years ago now. We explore a little bit about diversity in the sector, her thoughts on how we can get more women in tech and data and insurance, and she gives some brilliant insight on how you can uh, make that evolution from out-and-out techie to technology leader, plus a whole load more. She gives some brilliant anecdotes i absolutely love recording the episode she's a brilliant personality and was uh, was great to talk to her so without further delay let's get behind the desk with samita yogi samita welcome to the behind the desk podcast how are you doing not too bad thank you sun shining it's always good Good. Yeah. Yeah. Pleasure to have you. And thank you very much for taking the time out to meet with us today and speak to the listeners um, in this, uh, as you know, kind of season two of this podcast, I'm focusing all about women in technology. And, and I mean, I think as a starting point, it'd be really good to, to tell the audience just a little bit about what you're doing at the moment, your current role and, and, and just uh, that, that kind of background on, on current company, that kind of thing, if that's OK. Sure, it's always good to hear from the horse's mouth is where I start. So why not? Well, um I call myself more of a creative thinker with an exceptional blend of technical expertise and commercial understanding and being working in the data industry for almost 25 plus years. I try to keep my left hand as the technical brain and right hand as a layman terms uh, because one of the key things I always say is uh, data is everyone's business, but it's not everyone's cup of tea. Um, And it's (laughs) it's really interesting when people just go, oh, wow, yes, of course, because as we are talking, we are generating some kind of data but how to utilize it and how to monetize and how to kind of get the revenue out of it, to create more products and synergies is, is where my sweet spot is. So basically, yeah. over the years, have worked in a varied variety of industries, um, including financial services, travel, telecoms, uh, government services, education, healthcare, you name it, I call it. But of course, I do love to be in the insurance sector. And one thing which I'm kind of always enjoying, uh, and especially with the part of the having the chief data officer role at Animal Friends Insurance, uh, who are mainly the pet care, the pet insurance sector, is a very unique thing in itself. And when you go unique, well, we all hear about motor insurance and car insurance and home insurance. But when it goes to the uniqueness, that's where the pet insurance comes into account. And uh, uh, that's where the current kind of work-life balance is going. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, so tell tell us a bit about your uh, your role at the moment. What it encompasses, kind of size of the of the team, and what the what's kind of on the agenda, I guess, at the moment. 
Indeed. So, well, as as wearing the kind of uh, cheated officer hat on, I believe the my life cycle sits around data. <laughs> uh, pretty much, kind of goes in six key cornerstones. Um, where I start mainly is from the data operations area because that's where the data is generated or collected. Uh, it then goes into the data architecture space where we need to make sure that all of the different applications and kind of systems and all of the pods are kind of architected properly. Uh, it then kind of goes into the data governance area. I always put the hat on by saying it's really important to make sure where's your data stored, who owns it, and how the good the quality is. That pretty much then goes into the data engineering space um, to just kind of create a one-stop shop to get the one version of truth, which I believe is always one of the biggest challenge in many organizations, no matter whether it's a startup scale-up or a very, very old organization with 370 years old of the data. Uh, after data engineering, it goes into the data analytics space. Um, we all have been analyzing data for years, and it's pretty much going from descriptive and diagnostic analytics more into the predictive and prescriptive analytics, and that's what leads me to the data science space. Uh, so my last kind of key cornerstone and the function which I kind of uh, look after is the data science. And then everything that kind of gets created automatically pins back into the data operations because at the end of the day, all we are trying to do is make sure that the data operations area is as smooth as possible, as much digital and automated. But at the same time, we all love to kind of go how clunky sometimes the processes can be and how convoluted it could be. And how can you make your product portfolio much more diverse, but also putting the customers at the heart of everything is where the journey is. Mm, yeah, yeah, great. So uh, so that's kind of where you are at the moment. I'm sure we'll come back to that. But um, I want to go right back to the very start. So um, so, so talk me through how how Sumita got into technology initially, like the what, what was the kind of upbringing and uh, an entrance into, into the tech space? What did that look like? So that's a lovely question. Well, um, I did my master's degree in mathematics with applied statistics and then master's in computer science. And having my both working parents was always a situation to say, yeah, tech is the place to go to. Um, literally numbers have been my kind of key end game all the time and hence where I kind of started my journey. I uh, did a bit of a work when I was back in India because I'm a born brought up there, but of course have been in this country for over 20 plus years now. So properly a British citizen. And that's where the whole key kind of tech space started uh, because it got fascinated. And that's where I decided to move from India to UK um, long time back now and started working uh, more into the kind of uh, manufacturing space, moved into the uh, next stage of uh, education because I always wanted to know if my kids are born brought up here and kind of going to grow where should I start and that's why I went into the education sector to know a bit more about it and worked for the land-based college where I got it uh, Ofsted outstanding which was really great because that gave me a lovely crux in the back of the everything uh, and then from there almost kind of move into uh, a bit of the financial services and travels and government services background. But technology has been probably a long backbone for me. Um, and I kind of moved on and say technology and data are probably like the bucket and the water. So with the technology, you put the bucket around and with the data, which is fast growing, it's the uh, water inside it. And hence where with the volcano growing of the technology, we have collected more data in the last five years than we have done in 50 years time. And they have to go uh, clapping with two hands realistically. 
Yeah, yeah, amazing. So, so did you come over to the UK on your own? Was that was that was that the when, and and how old were you when you came came over? Yeah, it was me and me, my husband and my probably eight month old daughter. Really. Oh wow! <laughs> that was wow. a very very great challenge, but uh, it was long time back. Uh, and we both, well, my husband worked in the IT as well, so both being the techie crazy people, just decided to say. We should go to another world and kind of uh, fascinate and see what happens there and uh, have been since, since here, really. So time time has flashed through and uh, my daughter used to come back from her primary and every day was the same chapter. Uh, you're a workaholic yeah. parent and I want a sibling. So I said to my husband, <laughs> now or never. And hence got a, a, a lovely son now as well. So trying to be a good mom for a son and a daughter, oh, yeah. two different age kids. <laughs> Yeah, amazing. Um, what was your first role when you came to the UK? Was it were, were you were you in a, a kind of more hands-on technical role initially? It was indeed a hands-on technical role. Started with a very uh, short kind of contract role initially, and then it grown into a. In, well, I worked then for a manufacturing company, which is uh, a worldwide with seventeen different zone times, which was fab, and did loads of lovely projects. Six a.m. in the morning, talking to APAC people and probably 10 p.m. at night talking to Americans. Uh, so it was real, real fun. And diversity and equality came into account from those early days because the more diverse-minded people you talk to and work with, the more experience you gain, but also ideations is always there. So so, uh, so you were kind of evolved, you came over, did uh, did more technical. So what was that? Was that, was that kind of data development roles or architecture? What, 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 what type of roles were they that in, the, in the early days? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, the early, the first probably was my kind of, um, uh, well, I was in, in the architecture and the DBA space. That's where my strength and things started. And, and uh, before that, I did my developer stage as well. So back in india i already worked for almost uh, seven to nine years um, and hence where it was from there coming into here and trying to find the right space to say where should i kind of evolve but yeah uh, architecture and the kind of uh, engineering space where your developer brains goes into and, and so was was the, the the kind of plan for you in that evolution was that a natural because i know, I know have a look, I'm certainly not a techie, but having worked in that space for a while now, you I mean sometimes that transition from being a, a, a kind of more technical, technically focused person to being more of a, a kind of strategic, business-facing individual with a with a with a obviously an eye on tech and that evolution from architect to leader. How, how did you find that? Was that was that always kind of part of your your plan and like the the evolution? Was it kind of fairly natural? Did did it? Did it uh, was it something you planned out or I mean, how did that work? Yeah, so I, I was already leading and was a leader uh, back in, in India. So I was kind of managing very, very big right. teams already there. And that's where it was like a natural growth rather than a planned growth. Of course, when you do move to a new country, it doesn't happen on day one situation. But that was a natural kind of growth. And, and on the other side, when you are working in this space, you can easily piece out to say there are so many of, I call them as the puzzle pieces, right? Until you reshape all of those puzzle pieces, you can't create the puzzle. And that's where the kind of leadership grown into to say, okay, as much as it's important to be hands dirty and roll the sleeves and mentor your people, it's also important to kind of, I use a lot of analogies and I may start boring you now with my metaphors, but I love to sit in the balcony when needed be. And I love to jump on the dance floor to have the different dance moves with my team members. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I like it. There's definitely some good slogans we can use on the uh, on the promotion of the podcast already. I like it. Obviously, this is your first role as a as a, a kind of official chief data officer. So, what's uh, what's on the what's on the agenda for you at the moment? What's kind of big for you at Animal Friends and uh, and and kind of in in the focus, I guess, as part of your 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 plan since you've been there for the last kind of year or so. Well, as I already said, I'm going to use loads of lovely things. So the current plan is engage, empower, and energize. Uh, that has been my kind of previous key things as well. When you do start working in any organization, uh, when I was working in my previous, again, I didn't have the kind of uh, particular focus, but doing the kind of director roles and um, chief data officer roles, all you need to make sure is that your communication is flowing nicely and you're engaging both top up as well as down because it's an end-to-end -end delivery plan which you have to work through. It is also important to empower your team members as you grow um, and then energize them because on one side, you are almost creating a new picture, painting the new picture depending on the organization you're joining or sorting out something which is already being there for years or uh, a long time. So they, these are the kind of top three key areas. But on the other side as well means I love to go with four P's. Um, any organization I work with, I start with a purpose. It's really, really important to have your strategy with a purpose of why we are here and what we're going to do. It then goes into people because it's always important to see how many people do you currently have, how many will you need, that, that kind of resource planning, as well as making sure that the SMEs and other business people and stakeholders are all engaged as well as communicated. So purpose goes into people that links into the process, uh, how good the processes are, how much of the proactive processes are there or reactive processes are there, because depending on the processes and the documentation, your outcome may change and lean into a different direction. And the last one is the power. As I mentioned earlier, we all create loads of KPIs and loads of dashboards and loads of things, but what's, what's the action we are taking? What's the power? What's the end goal? So that's where kind of, again, talking to the team, it's always like, well, if someone comes and asks you a request to say, create this, just don't go and create it because until it's utilized, what's the use of creating something until it's also embedded by the end stakeholders or the users, it's really, really important to uh, make that and then prioritize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds sounds really interesting. Tell me a bit about the your your kind of uh, where you see the insurance space at the moment. You I mean obviously this is your. Uh, I know a post office. I believe you 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 would still covered the insurance part of that, but it's your first kind of role that's fully focused on insurance. So which is quite rare. I mean I'm sure you'll see. I mean I work a lot in the insurance space. There's lots of people that've been insurance for their whole career so you've seen you've seen outside of insurance now you've seen uh, inside what well, how do you see the insurance space at the moment and what what do you see that is the kind of big challenges uh, especially around uh, data well i would say there are kind of again um i try to stick to maybe three or four key areas and i would say in the insurance sector one of the key one is speed uh we need to react quickly we are still slow in the speed the second key one is talent. Uh, even though we are growing and it has been there for a while, uh, having that kind of mindset of people in the past thinking, oh, if you're in insurance, yeah, you can move to insurance. But if you're outside insurance, will you move into insurance? I have almost taken that out of the equation, um, even when I'm growing the teams and when I have worked in the past to say, it doesn't matter if you have worked in the insurance or not. And having that mentality and the mindset is, is really important. And I will say the third key challenge is the market. 
Um, we have seen during the pandemic that loads of things have changed, right? And it's really, really important that how do you look at the market analysis and that bring bring that into account? Because if you are not being working accordingly, then your lovely competitors may go up and down, vice versa. Also, if the tech stack and other things are changing very, very frequently, how do you still keep that pace of speed delivery? Is, is really important. Uh, and hopefully in the future, as things are automating, <laughs> um, I have a chat with my daughter all the time and she doesn't want to love driving because she says I will sit in a driverless car. And I go, wow, so who will be insured then? You or the car or someone else? <laughs> yeah, and that's a really yeah. kind of important uh, aspect to say, if we look from where we are now in five years time, where we will be, there are going to be loads of challenges. Uh, and if you don't prepare now, things will be quite different. It's interesting the, the the point you made there about the um, the talent aspect of it and and people um, without insurance uh, experience coming into the sector and 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 that kind of dynamic. Which uh, look, I, I totally mean I totally agree with you. If you uh, we've only connected fairly recently, but uh, if anyone follows me on LinkedIn, I, I'm I'm always kind of banging the drum of, uh, of, of of getting more talent outside of insurance and why is insurance in, experience. Uh, uh, important, but it, it sounds like your view is actually that, that actually we shouldn't that that shouldn't be an inhibitor to someone coming into the sector. That someone that, that you can that that the insurance aspect of it is not is not really critical in comparison to the technical skills. Is that is that fair? Well, I I I always take that kind of two way approach there. If I'm being honest, Mark, because one key thing is if you do know your foundations right, then when you are coming into the insurance space, all you need to know is some of the lovely terminology which you can easily create the data catalog and learn those terms on the fly <laughs> vice versa at the same time it is important to bring those diverse minds together because if you have been in the insurance or in any re particular sector for a while you're habitual of bringing the same key aspect of what you have been doing five or 15 years back so how do you make that diversification into count and then all of a sudden you start getting so much of the ideations so where I have felt different is, well, data is data. Architecture is what? Engineering is what? <laughs> data science kind of algorithms are the same. It really depends on which are the different use cases or what are the different data sources you're bringing into account and how do you kind of then connect and collect and re reutilize it um, or almost what is the end goal? What's the, what's the end game? What's the problem statement where we are starting? Um, and then kind of trace it back. So my, my vision has been, Yes, it's great that if you have been already in the insurance, you may know a few more things than others. But is it a must-to-have factor for me? Probably no. That's the answer because it can be learned as quickly as you learn other things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess like the way I've always seen it is it's a, it's a lot easier to learn insurance than it is to learn how to be a good data engineer, for example, or whatever <laughs> it might be. So. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, look, I'm I'm totally with you on that. Um, so, so look, as as I said at the start, and as we discussed before, um, the whole focus of, of this series of the of the podcast is uh, is around women in technology, um, specifically in insurance. Um, uh, so, I, I guess what I'd like to do, just kind of focus on a little bit first is how have you, how have you, what's your career been like as a as a kind of a woman who who has worked in another country, come to the UK, and and worked your way up into what is now a very senior role? Um, how, how have you found it, and what are the hurdles that you you think you've had to to overcome throughout that journey? 
Yeah, well, I have found it really fascinating sitting in a pretty much male-dominating area where people have been like, okay, you are the only one in 17 people or, or whatever. <laughs> and then yeah. people are looking at you and going, okay. So taking that imposter syndrome out of your brain and saying, hang on, why do we feel like that? So I always take that situation away. And, uh, and it has been fascinating that I had so many of the lucky kind of land managers and the people and my kind of peers alongside with me who have really always supported me. But also, I think um, one of the key areas where I have found is being a woman, it's always a situation to say, you sit back and go, well, if I say so, what will happen? And if something will think wrong and you think a lot. Uh, and that's one key challenge which I have overcome. And thanks to my husband, he has been always supportive of me because I wouldn't have been who I am today if we wouldn't have both kind of supported each other. Uh, and he always go, well, why not? Uh, we are almost like left hand and right hand. If I can do something, you can do something. Why do you feel different? And I always feel the same with respect to every single girl or woman and having growing my daughter now as well. I always support her. So she was doing her GCSEs in the pandemic and going, I have to study till so late, mom, why me only? And I said, don't worry. I joined a, a course from Oxford, did my artificial intelligence course with her and said, I will study with you at late night and we will have some role model fun game. Um, and yeah. I almost passed with 96%, which I can't believe when I look back and go, hang on. I didn't want to study again, but hey, ho, why not? And uh, I love to kind of mentor my team members, my kids, everyone, but I love to learn as well. And I think my passion of learning and mentoring and kind of that coaching style has kept me up and led to where I am today. And hopefully, fingers crossed, will be much more better in the in the coming years. <laughs> Yeah, you I mean interesting. How did you um, find it? Um, because uh, obviously you've been in the UK a long time now, so I, I guess you've you, you mean I almost certainly would have seen an evolution of kind of the the thinking around that. Um, certainly in the last four or five years, the the the, the DNI topic has been much more front and center, um, and and uh, and certainly it slowly but surely is is changing. But um, I guess a couple of questions here. I mean, how have you seen that evolve over that twenty year period? And and, and what was it like in in India? Before before you came to the UK, was there because it, was there was there more was it more accessible for women to get into technology? There yeah, certainly certainly seems like it. There are more um, younger women from India who have come to the UK in the technology space than there, there may be kind of native British people. And I'd love to know what why why you think that maybe is the case. Yeah, so I will kind of break that into two areas. I definitely think that DNS space is growing and it should grow because if we just simply think of, I will give as an example, I was op opening uh, one of the very big, before pandemic, um, a, a kind of talk where we were all together, more than 600 people, right? And I asked um, the first question to say, how many of you use your Apple iPhone to pay money, right? Contactless cards. Mm -hmm. um, and then probably 70% people put their hand off on to say yes we do use contactless and, and apple pay for our kind of uh, money and at that time the limit was 30 pound right and i asked the question to say if it becomes 3000 how many of you will still use it and it was less than 0.5 people who raised their hands <laughs> um to kind of say oh we will use it but if i'm being honest during pandemic everyone became contactless and now there is no limit on Apple Pay and I use my Apple Pay every second of my life. I just have forgotten to take cash with me or cards with me because phone is always one of the technology in your pocket <laughs> uh, and yeah. you use Apple Pay 
tremendously easy. Uh, so I think where the kind of data journey is going and the whole of the analytics is coming into account is customer focus. Uh, and the more and more companies are thinking around it are still awake and still in this market. And those who are not thinking about it have, have gone. And I would have given you another company's example who are in the telecoms who used to be the market leader are no longer the market leader because mm -hmm. they didn't make the things happen, which probably Apple is making it happen, right? And they started thinking all of these things probably five years back or maybe 15, thinking of the future. So I believe those companies who are definitely putting the DNA in their kind of uh, skin in the game situation will be sustaining and surviving in much more beneficial times. To your other question of being kind of in India, yes, accessibility is great, but also the population kind of thing is very different there, right? So uh, someone like me who had, um, my, my father has been a vice president and my mother has been a, a principal of a secondary school. I've always seen and kind of being lucky enough to go to the best kind of uh, schools and learned all of my things and was always promoted to say, hey, you can do everything. Impossible means I am possible. <laughs> that was my kind of first key slogan I learned. Um, so definitely their accessibility is more. But again, when they are transitioning to here and making it happen, it's again a, a situation to say, can we make it happen? Do we promote all of these things? Do we kind of take that diversity, quality and gender and scenarios out of our equation rather than saying, oh, who are you and why should you be sitting where you are? Yeah, 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 I totally, totally, uh, totally agree. Um, and, and what and what do you think? Because um, you mean, look, I, I think, like you say, I think things are getting better and accessibility in the UK is certainly better, but it's, it's, it's certainly not uh, where everyone would like it to be. So what, what do you think the, the, the kind of the big from that you've seen or maybe you've even seen now with trying to hire probably more women into to your team. What what do you think the, the, the big hurdles are now that, that we need to kind of get over and, and what's your kind of view on, on how we do it? I think the first one which I didn't mention about imposter syndrome is still one of the key one because if you will post a, a lovely job out, uh, you will see that 10 people, uh, and I should not say it, but if you're a male and if you can match it 50%, you will still apply to that role <laughs> vice versa mm. if you are a yeah. female you will go until i'm 80 90 percent on it i will not apply to a role so i just wanted that to be taken out to say don't worry about um uh, kind of matching it to the best because talent growth doesn't happen none of us learned alphabets when we were born we all learned it as we grow <laughs> um, but at the same time taking more challenges is, is important i think the second one is influential power as well if you influence more people and as you are doing this phenomenal series uh, too with more women in insurance, I'm sure when everyone will be listening to these podcasts, they will go, well, if X person can do it, then why can't I? Or how can I get engaged and empowered, energized, uh, embed all of these things in my journey as well uh, is really important. But I think on the other side, um, I would suggest and say quite a lot of areas where universities are now teaching those degrees, how much are they really putting the, that, that soft skills in the back of the hard skills? Because when it comes to STEM area, you might know that people will be like, I can sit down in a corner and can code for 20 hours. Well, fine. You have learned your hard skills. Have you learned your soft skills as well or not? Uh, mm -hmm. Because the coming world is more of balancing in the two acts. Yeah, no, no. I think that's a that's a really good point, isn't it? I think that's becoming 
uh, even more important now, isn't it? Like, I mean, I, I think historically it was kind of accepted that that some kind of in inverted commas techies were were would would just sit in a different room and 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 just do the technical stuff. I, I think that 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 those days are are kind of gradually eroding, aren't they? I mean, there just doesn't seem to be there seems to be a demand for 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 people to have both now. Um, what about the, the the kind of grassroots aspect of it? Because I think this is the bit that um, I mean, certainly in my area of expertise, from a hiring perspective, people always seem to they want to get more women in. There's definitely a, a more of a, uh, a kind of willingness to try and make that uh, the, the the process more equal and and try to avoid bias and all that kind of good stuff, which people are making gradual inroads on. But but I think that the, the challenge is is that to, to be to be kind of brutally honest there's just not enough women to go around so everybody has equality that's that's the biggest issue so if somebody's doing really well on that front then someone has to be losing because there just isn't equal numbers so to me it seems that the the the, the answer is to get more people in at a kind of grassroots level and what, what what do you think we what do you think we need to do to be able to do that and uh and what advice would you give to kind of women that want to get involved in the uh get into technology or any, any kind of younger girls and that kind of stuff? What, how, how do we solve that problem? I think there are two things, which one of them I did when I was at uh, my previous place, realistically getting that open-mindedness. Uh, so learn with open mind is what I will say to all of my fellow members or, or females who are still growing in that sector. And I believe the second key one is really uh, to kind of get them out and about in the world of practicality. Because when you're just doing your degrees, you're in a quite different world. And when you actually join a company, it's a little bit different world. <laughs> um, and, and to get those kind of uh, either universities or those grads and postgrads more into the practical life is really, really important. So having in the past, having graduate schemes and apprenticeship schemes and all of that worked very nicely with me because you can then engage with them very, very early in their career stage. You can give them the right direction. They can get the right feel as well because sometimes people do go on a journey and when it comes to the practical life, they just simply say, hmm, this is not my cup of tea. I never thought of that. Oh, I can't do the presentations. I can't do the storytelling. I thought that it was magic power when my teachers were doing loads of presentations, but when I'm being asked to go and stand in front of 60 or 600 people, I just shake and uh, um, feel like that's, that's something different I ever didn't realize of. So I think getting into that practical life is, is really important where we should all concentrate. But at the same time, one of the key advice which I can give to those people is go and do some voluntary work or maybe work with some kind of external bodies or parties and, and start getting into the field of what the practicalness looks like and, and start thinking about it rather than just sitting on the other part of the crux um, and see the seesaw is always grass is greener. One of, I think one of the key things that you and you mentioned it before, like you, you that you're uh, a working mum, you've got uh, a, a daughter doing doing GCSEs recently, a younger son. How how have you managed that balance? Because I think that look, I've got a two year old, and, and I, I take my hat off to my wife. She manages to balance a job and and do the bulk of the of the the, the child related stuff um, uh, over the last couple of years. And certainly, I have a newfound respect for anybody who's doing that in the last two years. De definitely given me a new dynamic and understanding 
understanding. Um, so not not an easy job. And and and, and look, I think uh, most most people would accept that that's part of the the, the barrier right? in, 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 that that, um, that women obviously go off and have families and therefore coming back into the workplace. Um, what how, how have you managed to, um, to to kind of balance that? And and again, what 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 are your views on, on kind of how we can make that easier? Indeed. So one key thing I like to say always is I've always put the skin in the game, right? So when I am a mom, I'm a mom. So weekends I'm doing taxi driving, taking kids from one place to the other, <laughs> working with them. Uh, as well as when I'm in office, I'm in office. So one key aspect which makes my life easier is being that kind of skin in the game and dedication of what I'm doing, but also doing the kind of proper planning and prioritization is as equally important and being really open and honest as well because the more you kind of give the more you get um it's like what you what you want to become is never an easy job to go onto that ladder but at the same time i think we all learned with especially with the pandemic i must say uh, how important the family life is and that's where i see the difference of my son getting a lot of time from me Whereas my daughter is already grown and uh, uh, and kind of I just look back and go, when did you achieve that award? I can't remember celebrating the success. So I love to celebrate success a lot more now as compared to in my previous uh, kind of uh, journey. But having that balancing act life by saying, okay, when you're doing what you're doing, be dedicated towards it and then realistically switch the brain very quickly, which being a multitasking woman, I think I do very easily <laughs> uh, but that's that's what I would say say and suggest to all of the kind of uh, people because once you do become a parent your life is quite distributed um, yeah. at the same time being at the top of learning everything mentoring and kind of encouraging whether being your kids or whether being your team members is, is never an easy job and I was really happy when one of my team members got a digital star award and in in his PD he, he just literally wrote down that he learned more in last one year than he learned in last nine years. And when he was walking on the red carpet, I was over the moon thinking that's, that's what everyone should feel like because it just isn't who I am and who you are. It's us thinking. We are, we are all together. Uh, if five fingers are not equal, five people cannot be equal. But you need to kind of fold them together to make a feast, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally agree, and and that's a uh, it's a really good insight. I think I think I certainly think the the, the flexibility as well like, that we've now got post COVID is one of the one of the big positives from COVID. Although there there haven't been loads, but one of the positives to take from it is that flexibility now means that hopefully that that allows. Uh, more women to have that kind of balance when they are looking after kids, but also allow uh, kind of men to, to actually take on some of that, that responsibility and, uh, and and even it out a bit. Uh, certainly, it seems like there's a bit of a shift change. So, well, look, I mean, we, we can't, um, we're coming towards the end, but there's three questions that anybody who's listened to the podcast before will know. That there's three questions that I always ask uh, everybody um, before a, a bit of a fun for a quick fire round towards the end. Um, but but the first thing I would say, I mean, look, this is uh, quite a new of you because obviously you've only been in uh, insurance for a year or so. But um, what is it that you've uh, kind of in that year grown to love about the insurance and insure tech space? Well, if I may just kind of correct it, I have been in and out of insurance sector, not just kind of oh, a okay. new one because when <laughs> I was working at the uh, at SunGuard, which is FIS, that was also a bit of the financial services. Okay. And then at post office as well, we deal with 170 products and services, which covers all kind of insurance, whether it's a car insurance or motor insurance or home insurance. So 
have been in 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 the kind of space of it but probably are uh, more of honing into the pet insurance uh with this particular role as a as a specific one and th the thing i love with insurance is um I, i will again kind of go with with three eyes the first is the impact right the more you kind of uh, personalize the journey of any customer you can get them converted from a lead to a customer very very quickly the second key when i come with is innovation there is so much more to innovate uh, i was mentioning about uh, the kind of situation to have automatic cars and driverless cars and those kind of things well hey hey someone is thinking all of these things are happening we cannot sit back and say that's a dream come true maybe in 2025 or 2030 or who knows so there's a lot to innovate and there is a lot of data which can be used to innovate as well and and that's very very interesting uh, for me and i think the third key area is is improve we can still improve on the whole of the customer life cycle and your kind of client journey as well as your employee's journey because using the right data which we have collected for years if we utilize it properly then there is a lot to improve and we have seen couple of kind of things recently likes of uber as an example coming from the blue moon so innovation is happening all the way through we had delivero which was coming from the kind of blue moon to say okay everyone now wants fingertips delivery at their home and using amazon i'm sure we all are so much habitual saying order in the morning and you will receive something by 10 pm at night why to even bother going a mile of a drive <laughs> because yeah. you don't need to and then you can return it back on the fly as well if you don't like it everyone just wants to sit back and relax and want to get things on their fingertips so in the insurance sector i do believe there is a lot of things which we can innovate we can make an impact and improve on yeah 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 you I mean uh, definitely that amazon one thing it, it it blows my mind how quickly they can do it. i i noticed they've now started doing uh, when you actually return something they they actually as soon as it gets collected they they just refund you straight away so they haven't even checked the products it's uh, the service is uh, service is amazing isn't it um, have, have have you uh, tried have you tried the new feature of uh, uh, try before you buy no i haven't no what's that that's that's another fabulous one you you have got specific products if you are um the kind of a premium customer uh you can just order it you don't have to pay um it will be delivered you will have 7 days to try it and if you don't like it return it and if you keep it then you will be getting charged wow yeah that's amazing yeah it's a bit like uh, cuz uh, i mean i know it's actually been in the news uh, um recently about klarna who they they've got kind of got that that platform where you it's a bit like kind of you you pay uh, uh, 30 days later or whatever but so i've seen that but um, but yeah that is amazing isn't it um certainly um you mean whether you kind of love or hate amazon you you can't really fault this, the the service and the uh, the delivery and all that kind of stuff it's amazing isn't it it's just so 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 easy to to do i uh, i can uh, my bank statement each month can testify to that so <laughs> um so the 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 next one is um, what what what's the best thing about being behind your desk right now so what's the best thing about being you right now well uh, that's a lovely question i go with transformation and transition which are the kind of top two things behind the desk um uh, and and one of the fascinating thing is that i'm moving house this week so that's definitely one of oh, the wow. key aspect for me <laughs> being kind of really happy on one side and and thinking the other way around because i've been for a long long time in my my existing one so that's that's what is happening planned and especially queens kind of jubilee coming into account so that's a very good time to have additional days off and sorts of things to to start planning yeah. all that stuff and uh, and yeah um probably by the time 
my listeners will be listening to it. I will be sitting in another desk somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, um, yeah, you I mean I've moved house about two years ago, and it was pretty stressful. So, uh, how, how are you how are you finding it so far? Is it are you all ready and set to go? Well, we've got the Packers movers booked in, so they're coming and packing it tomorrow, and then moving oh, day yeah. after tomorrow. So, so hopefully things will be fine. But yeah, it has been a bit. Uh, being the half-term holidays as well with the kids planning and all sorts of things, it has been a bit stressful, but probably more more anxiety, right, than than the stress yeah. sometimes. And uh, and I've got my son's birthday coming the week after as well. So, so loads of oh, things wow. all the time going behind the desk, if I'm being honest, Mark. <laughs> yeah, lot, lots going on. Yeah, well, look, good luck with the move. Hope that goes well, fingers crossed. Um, and then the uh, the last one, which I always ask people is, um, what what's the one question I should have asked you, but I didn't? Oh, that's a lovely one. There's always so many more questions to discuss, but I will probably go with one, which I um, again talk talk with my kids. And one thing they say is, "What will you do, Mom, once you're retired?" And I go, "That's a lovely thing to think about. Loads of planning." And 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 my son will give me some advice, and my daughter will give me another. And she goes, "You will do another PhD, Mom, when you're retired, won't you? Depending on the tech, <laughs> it's it's in the market or what's happening at that time." So yeah, I mean that haven't started masters ever thinking of when will I retire because I'm still kind of energetic, want to um emphasize on loads of things to be done in coming years with the lovely market happening and uh will love to have loads of uh, female members joining me with the similar kind of boards and things. But yeah, I believe that's a good question which we probably park at the very back of a bone to say what will you do once you retire yeah i've never that's the best yeah that's a really good one i've never i've never thought about that i might i might factor it i mean what i didn't actually i was going to ask you before but what what what's uh what do you do out so what's what's uh t- take me away from like kind of work and stuff like what what's the i'm sure kids take up a fair bit of your time at weekends and kind of things like that but is there what what does kind of samita do to relax and uh and get away from work probably one key thing is is um i i love cycling and listening to podcasts but that's why we are doing the podcast probably so listening yeah. to podcasts and audibles and those kind of things is it's really really great kind of thing for me to not only learn but relax as well um i do love cycling and believe me or not i literally forgot doing cycling until the pandemic come and uh, and then you get a bit more time and you're not really actually sitting in the train for three and six hours of the journey or driving your car for three and six hours and all of a sudden it's like wow i can do it so in last two years i have literally gone back in my brain and can't even think because first when i was starting my daughter's like can you even do it mom i'm like i did a lot don't worry <laughs> i've driven almost all kind of two wheelers whether being a bike or a scooter and all sorts of things and uh, my dad used to simply say go and do whatever you like to do <laughs> so i've been very lucky in that situation but enjoy doing cycling i i love to go swimming of course that makes two things happen together and kill two birds with one stone having kids with me enjoying with yeah. them as well as uh, relaxing and and doing things as well and i believe music is a common one which we all love <laughs> yeah 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 cycling so i mean it's, i think i don't think you're on your own there like a lot of people uh, found cycling again didn't they in the pandemic i, I certainly think that's uh, that's um, if you were selling bikes in in or garden uh, equipment in this in the pandemic you're probably doing doing pretty well um so i, I as, as uh, i pre-warned you of this but anyone's heard the podcast before uh, i always do a bit of a fun quick fire round at the end um so kind of six questions first thing that comes to your mind um what what's the one piece of technology that you couldn't live without 
I think probably I will go with the most generic answer, which we all say is phone. I said to you earlier, I am a big fan of Apple Pay. I can't even keep my cards with me. So my, my phone <laughs> yeah. is definitely one which keeps me updated, whether it's um, audible books or, or podcast or using the Apple Pay. The phone is done. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's a, it's a phone and a wallet now, isn't it? So it's doubling up. So, uh, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm oh, the no, same. It's, it's that much Apple more. It's, it's becoming one thing which you can do everything, right? Order, order online all the way through to using web and, and looking at your memories. One great thing which I whenever get time is like it just pings me over all the way through to using Siri and um, coming first thing in the morning. What's the weather like today? Oh, you went to this restaurant three years back. I'm like, well, I don't even remember that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. You know. <laughs> Let's plan again. <laughs> I, I went to, actually, funny. I went to a hotel uh, about uh, about six months ago, and and you you could use your phone to open the door, open the hotel. So I was thinking that you mean that that I'm sure that uh, cars and stuff like that will uh, and how your house will be be all on the phone. Um, the problem is, is just when your battery goes, isn't it? That that that's the the one thing we haven't quite been able to to, to which will cause a big problem if you not got your wallet and your battery goes which uh mine tends to do quite a lot then uh, then you're in a bit of a bit of bother so that but the next question is what's the brand or company you really admire i i, I think i there might be a common theme here but uh go, go, go for it you've got <laughs> it right yeah apple apple is my kind of favorite one but so as amazon and i wouldn't simply say one after the other i believe any company who is really putting the data at the at the heart of uh, of the customer's shoes is is my favorite, and I can see these two are really those two brands which have put the data at the forefront of everything. And creating that as the jewel in your crown is where you're going to win win because your customer lifetime value all the way through to your um, kind of new new business acquisition is always going to work because you're attracting them by giving every simplicity they they ever wish for. The uh, next one is what's your favorite business related book? Oh, that's a lovely question. Um, I had a couple, but I will go with Net Positive, uh, which is from uh, Paul Polman and, and Andrew Wiston. I'm always a positive thinking person. I will go with half glass full is better than half glass empty, because at least you are thinking for the future. Uh, it's of no use to cry or spill milk. <laughs> so that Net, net Positive was really a, a good one, because how courageous companies thrive by giving more than they take is is quite different right and it is really important that if you put your employees at the heart if you give them more uh, they will ro roll the sleeves and give everything else right <laughs> yeah 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 good favorite film or tv series you can have one of each if you want uh, no, I was well. I'm an adventurous person. That's why I left my lovely country and came to this. And uh, always think for more adventures and uh, bits and pieces. So I will go with pretty much uh, more of a kiddos thing. It's it's Jurassic Park. I can still sit and see that twenty thousand wow. times if I'm being honest, oh, yeah. because it's such a lovely movie and it always freaks you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do love that film. Yeah, yeah I remember, I saw that, I watched it recently actually with uh, with my niece and nephew about six months ago. So uh, yeah, and, and definitely a good one. Um, if you weren't a technology leader, what would you be? Ah, I never thought of, but probably I would be a professor. Um, I, I love to kind of coach and mentor, as I said earlier, and I will always love to kind of continue doing it by saying, okay, if if I 
had to go and set up a charity or do something different i will be always happy to bring more people alongside of the journey and 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 take take them with me so may, maybe a professor that's the second uh, second time someone said in the I mean uh, of this, this series someone said they wanted to be a teacher or a professor so a bit of a common theme going on there um, and then the, the the final question um who is your number one female role model I think my my number one is Mother Teresa. Um, I have always looked after the lovely quotes and the words and everything she did for this lovely world. And uh, one of the things which I say is we fear the future because we are wasting today. If we if we really utilize our today nicely and peace begins with a smile, then you can really put the smile on the face of everyone. So she has been my one of the kind of uh, key female role models. Amazing. What an amazing way to finish. So, well, look, thank you very, very much for uh, taking the time to, to speak to us. I know you're very busy. Um, so re- really, thank you very much for for, for taking the time out. Um, th- I'm sure there'll be some people that want to reach out to you off the back of this. Um, is, is LinkedIn the best place to get in contact with you? Are you and you OK yep. with people reaching out? Absolutely. Yeah, they can they can reach out to me anywhere on a coffee shop all the way through to LinkedIn or sending email directly. Not a problem at all. Great. Well, look, as I say, thanks again for, for coming in. Um, everyone sign up and like the, the podcast, share it around. Um, there's plenty more coming in, in series two from, from more inspiring female tech leaders. And just lastly, leaves us to sign off. So Samita, thank you very much for your time and uh, see you again soon. And thank you for giving me the opportunity. Really feeling so much excited and pleasure speaking with you, Mark. Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Desk with me, Mark Thomas. If you like the episode, please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, like and a comment, and even better, please share with your friends and colleagues. If you'd like to connect with me, you can do so at linkedin.com forward slash Mark Thomas and the number zero. It would be great to hear from you. Equally, if you have any suggestions for future guests or other areas you'd like me to explore, it would be great to hear them too. Behind the Desk is powered by Eames Consulting, part of the Eames Group. You can find out more about us at eamesconsulting.com. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to catching up with you again next time.